0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Mitts. Today we are actually pulling double duty. Um, look, the Kansas Jayhawks women's team has been absolutely phenomenal this year. And I've been trying to get the, you know, talk about them more and more here on the podcast. And I was finally... Uh, you know Jill Dorsey Hall of ESPN Plus is normally our go-to, but uh, I can't have her on every single week. So I was finally able to find another another guest that I can bring on to talk women's basketball that really knows her stuff and is going to be absolutely great to have this conversation about the Kansas Jayhawks women, and of course whatever else is happening in the Big Twelve. Because let me tell you, it's a packed league again this year. Helping me to do that, uh, my my cohort over on the Ten Twelve podcast on Mondays. It is Jamie Steyer Johnson, JSJ. How are you doing today?
0: I'm great. I recorded an episode of my own show earlier, so I should be in like peak form, but hey, I am amped anytime I get the opportunity to talk more Big 12 basketball. And frankly, it's kind of exciting to talk about a team outside of Iowa State. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm kind of underrated in that regard. So let's get into it. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's fantastic stuff. And, and of course, you, you talked about your podcast. That's the Cyclone Family Podcast. It's here on the 1012 Network. Um, look, we've been trying to get an Iowa state podcast for quite a while, so I'm glad you were able to jump on that. Um, but look, you know, this, this women's basketball league has been absolutely phenomenal this year. And it's the first time in a long time that Kansas has been competitive in. it. And of course it's probably one of the better years of the big 12 conference. Um, which I think makes it that much more impressive. Um, but also that much like. More kind of like, man, why couldn't they have done this, you know, like three years ago when it was yes. basically Baylor and like one other team that you'd have to compete with to have a shot at, at winning the league. This year, you know, Kansas is doing phenomenal. They are, uh, oh gosh, I just had the record up. I think it's like, I I feel really bad about seven this. Seven and it's, four in conference. Okay. I was yeah. like, I was thinking seven and four. And then I was looking at, look, the, the ESPN data scribe previews are absolutely atrocious. They... They make me so mad because all the numbers are wrong. Typically they're missing a game or two. And I was like, it said six and four, but I thought it was better than that. So yeah, there are no, seven no, and four, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it's, it's fantastic for them. Like, I think the last time they were three games above 500 in conference this late in the season, especially was, uh, I don't even remember when it was. It was probably the 2012 year when they went to the NCAA tournament. So it's been um, a
0: while. It's definitely been a while.
1: Yeah, and of course, Kansas is in like fifth place in the conference, um, which is kind of ridiculous that they're you know doing that well and still barely in the top half. So, so bef- before we talk about the game coming up this weekend, because it is the the second iteration of the Sunflower Showdown, the the, the Wildcats at the Jayhawks this time. Kansas struggled, um, you know, down the stretch in that game against Kansas State in the first iteration. But look. This is again a fantastic league. Iowa State and Oklahoma up at the top of the league, with Baylor right behind, and then Kansas State and Kansas pulling up the you know the end of the bottom half here. Um, you know how how great has it been to see how competitive this this league is this year?
0: Oh, I mean it's incredible. Like, I mean, just how competitive every single game on the schedule is. Like a lot of leagues, you'll have really great teams at the top. You'll have some solid ones in the middle, but there's a lot of leagues with a very, very low floor. And it's really not the case in the big 12. You know, you don't have a single team that's lost or excuse me. That's one zero or one games in conference. Everyone's won at least two. And, you know, you've got kind of the bottom of the conference beaten up on each other with tech TCU and Oklahoma state each with two, but At the same time, they're playing really competitive games. And then when you get to the top half of the conference, it's, I mean, unreal where they're at. You know, you've got Iowa State and Oklahoma who have been tied atop the conference for most of the season. You've got Baylor who skidded early and has been obviously just on a, on a huge role, uh, who Kansas played really tight. My personal rooting interests would love for them to do that again here in round two, but we don't need to get too far into that, but Hey, you know, I could see it, but no, it's really crazy. And just to see how competitive it is, it definitely sets everyone up to be in a really really great position to make deep runs into the postseason, And that's, what's so great about a conference like the big 12. Yeah. You're beating up on each other, but you're improving yourself by doing that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of those, you're not going to come tournament time and have a team that makes into the tournament that hasn't been tested, that hasn't had to deal with adversity that hasn't had to figure out how to make things up on the fly, you know, in order to, to, to compete in a big game. And I mean, you know, things happen. Like we'll talk about Kansas state, the fact that they got creamed by Baylor, uh, you know, in their last game, but there was a lot of extenuating circumstances there that they yes. had to deal with. And I'm sure that they'll, they'll, they'll be better for it by the time we get to the end of the season. But, you know, Kansas had to deal with some of those, uh, the, you know, the, the, they went and had a huge win at Texas and then followed it up by almost upsetting Baylor. Kind of like you were talking about, um, you know, Kansas is, is only two games back in the conference. Um, Iowa State and Oklahoma are at nine and two. Baylor is at at uh, at eight and three, and then Kansas is down at seven and four. Um, you know they have they have an opportunity here to kind of make a push because they do play. You know they play um, obviously Kansas State coming up this weekend, but then they play against Iowa State at home, they, and then they immediately go on the road to Baylor. Followed up with a home game against Texas, and then they face Oklahoma in that last game of the season. So, yes, you don't expect them to win all of those, but if they somehow especially when against the top other teams in the conference, you have to assume that the rest of the conference is not like, I don't see any team in the rest of the conference going undefeated the rest of the year because they all have tough schedules. I mean, it is, it is absolutely ridiculous. Just how, how tough a lot of these schedules are.
0: It's, it's really interesting because Kansas has kind of a gauntlet at the end of the season to go your last four games be Iowa state, Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma. That's tough, but they are, I mean, maybe mathematically someone else may have a chance, but they're for all intents and purposes, the fourth team in the title race, like you, you would need help. They do not hold their fate in their hands. I always say Oklahoma, and Baylor each hold their fate in their hands. Eh, Baylor would need a little help because they got swept by Oklahoma, but besides that, the top three teams, if they win out, they win it. Kansas wouldn't have that benefit since they are those two games back from the top team, but they do still have an outside chance. And so it's not particularly likely, but to put themselves in that position this year is incredible. I mean, it's not like they had a bunch of transfers or freshmen come in here. It's not like they had some huge culture shift. It's players that have been here for a while who really bought in. And so I think that's what's so interesting and so exciting about this Kansas team this year and why they're just such a blast to watch because clearly they know each other. They know their system. And I mean, what makes better basketball than that?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the way that they play together and and I think what I'm most impressed by is that yes, Holly Kurzgeeter is like the leader of the team. You know, she's mm-hmm. the one that typically, you know, everything runs through her for for most options. Um, but look, Chandler Prater has had some really good games, especially recently. Um, I, I I always mess up her name, but Iona
0: Casleonti uh, Casleonti. Yeah,
1: I I was like I was like I I said it like ten times before we got on here, and I still mess it up. Um, one of these days I I promise I'll get it right, but you know, it is one of the, like they've had, and and then Tyana Jackson, like they've had all three of those players step up at times, um, you know, uh, in, in this last game that they had against West Virginia, you know, uh, Tyana Jackson had had some foul trouble issues, Chandler Prater and Katsi Leonti. I, I, I'm mad at myself now. Um, But look, they, they both stepped up for big in the first half and then continued in the second half. And, and, you know, it's been all around. Like you can't point to a single player. That is like the player that makes it go. If, if if opponents shut down an individual player, or even two, there are still plenty of guys that can, or plenty of players that can step up and can have those big games that they need. Zakiya Franklin had a huge game against West Virginia. Um, yeah. actually it looked like she was going to be the leading scorer. And then Kersgieter hit a three at the very end. Like <laughs> she had two threes, <laughs> one to end yeah. the half and then one to end the game, uh, which was just absolutely ridiculous. Just so. bump
0: right, over. Yeah. right.
1: Right. right. <laughs> to, to, to take that, that scoring lead. So, so I mean, looking at this team though, like, what do you expect from this team going down the stretch? Yes. It's, it's a lot to ask them to kind of win out at this point, but, but like, if, if you had to talk about it now, do you do you see them getting a a fairly good seed in the NFL tournament and and having the potential to make a run to the second weekend or even further?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I was just looking at the new bracketology and I believe they're continuing to kind of hover around maybe an 11. I'm going to pull it up and I'll refer back to it, but they, I know it was an
1: 11 before the West Virginia game. I don't know if they've updated since then. I,
0: I think they might still be hovering kind of around there, but what I've just been so impressed with is that they stay in games. You know, they really don't give up. Um, they're a team that, like we said, they play together. And so they absolutely have potential. Yeah. So they're still sitting at an 11 against North Carolina, which not a bad draw whatsoever, but the way that the brackets set up right now, the bracketology would have them playing Tennessee in the second uh, game as the three seed, because Tennessee just dropped from the one line down to the three with some losses. So that would be extremely unfriendly. But again, there's... They really like those rematches, too. They do. They definitely... It's, it's interesting. I don't think that'll probably be the draw, no, no. but if that were the case, uh, it would not be friendly, but no, I mean, they're, they're a great team and especially they're looking more healthy. Hatsaliante was out for a couple games stretch there in the middle of the season. You know, for instance, when they came to Ames, the first time I saw them in person this season, Leonti was out. And so that was, and it was like, she had just played, she was there. She didn't seem to be injured. Like. And so it was just kind of clearly something going on behind the scenes and that makes it really difficult to play your game. And so they definitely didn't look like themselves at that point. But I think that Kansas biggest situation down the stretch in the season here is, are they going to win the conference? Probably not, but are they going to have a huge impact on who does? I think so, because I think there's a great chance they pick up another win over someone in the top of the conference. I'm gonna say there's one I really hope they don't, but there's none right. <laughs> that they can't. Absolutely, I, I, I can't imagine
1: Jamie which one that is that you're talking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, but besides getting into like my personal biases, there's no games on the schedule that they can't win. Like, would picking one up at Baylor with the way Baylor's playing right now be difficult? Yeah, but. I mean, I almost did it the first time Baylor has those times where if you can catch them on the right day, if you can catch them in the right situation, that's absolutely winnable. And so it's just, there's a lot of really interesting kind of situations that they could find themselves in. And obviously if you keep playing well, you, you play yourself into better seating in the tournament. That's the great thing with the big 12 is with so many great teams. It just gives you more opportunities to prove where you're at as a team to the committee.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right, so so let's talk about this this game coming up. Obviously, the Sunflower Showdown is a huge a huge game. The last one was was probably for the opportunity to be ranked in the poll. Kansas State is still getting uh, votes in the poll, but obviously the, the huge loss to Baylor is not going to help that coming up this next week. I think Kansas is right back on the cusp of potentially getting votes in the poll as well. Um, but I, I imagine this would not lead to them being ranked, even if they were to win fairly convincingly against Kansas State. Um, but... Kansas state obviously has Ayoka Lee who to be honest, for my money probably should be the favorite for conference player of the year. Just how phenomenal she's been. Yes. There's a lot of other candidates, including a couple on or you know, one, one on Iowa state, one on Baylor. Uh, you know, I'm sure that there's one in Oklahoma, but pretty much every team in the conference has a player that is, you know, just that person that, that could be a candidate, but Ayoka Lee with her 61 points, uh, you know, against Oklahoma, not too long ago, like, Just, I I think you have a very very good argument for her being player of the year. Um, What about the rest of the team though? Because it seems like they have stretches where they just, you know, don't get much from the rest of the team. It's not a shock to see Lee scoring anywhere from, you know, a quarter to half the points for the entire team on a particular night. Um, What else do Kansas fans need to worry about with this Kansas State team?
0: Well, you know, it's it's really interesting because. The second round through the conference has looked extremely, extremely different from the first for Kansas state. So, you know, they just, they got, I mean, frankly, plastered by Bailey. They lost 95 to 50 in a game that a lot of people were pointing at as, wow, this is going to be a good one. The reasoning behind it is their freshman point guard, who's front runner for freshman of the year in the big 12, Serena Sandel, She got hurt two minutes into the game. And so that's obviously going to be really difficult to adjust to. And I locally battled foul trouble in the first half. You know, she got two fouls in the first quarter. She got her third in the second quarter. And in my opinion, she was lucky. She wasn't called for a flagrant the way that she fouled. And so when you have situations like that, they just really struggle when they're pushed outside of what they want to do. And when you come through the second round of the big 12, it's a lot easier to push people outside of what they want to do. You have to be really able to adjust on the fly and for better or worse, teams have been able to really push Aoka Lee outside of her comfort zone. You know, you had her scoring a handful of points against Baylor. She had eight points last night okay and, and she played 20 minutes to be fair but she had eight points on three of eight shooting because you had a big post who could really bang with her when uh iowa state played them not that long ago she was held to 12 points on six of 16 shooting and that was in 28 minutes you know she's not putting up the same kind of numbers because people are getting a plan together and so i think with Kansas, the way that they've been able to play defense, the way that, man, Chandler Prater works so hard out there. You've got Hotsley Leonti back. You've got Tiana Jackson out there. You've got players who, if you put them in the right position, I think they can defend her and they haven't found that other person you can go to. They absolutely have not found consistency from outside because they're young. They're starting three freshmen. I watched that all last year at Iowa state, and that's a tough tough spot to be in. They can have great games, but once people kind of figure out who you are and what you're doing, you have to be able to adjust And when you're that young. It's just not as easy as it is when you're a little bit more mature and so Kansas I'm sure is going to have some different looks they might throw some kind of funky stuff out there if you're a Kansas fan you're going to be seeing some things that you probably haven't seen the rest of the season you're going to see maybe some junk defenses you're going to see maybe doubling automatically on Aoka Lee you're going to see maybe some zones you're going to see you know face guarding right in front of her and putting your hands up but Ultimately, it's been effective for a lot of teams. And so if you can get on them early, especially at home, man, that's that's a game that you're looking at is pretty tasty because you've got a lot of things you can learn from the way teams have played K-State. And I think that Kansas is set up to potentially be extremely competitive in that game, especially, like I said, at
1: home. Yeah, and kind of to your point, you know, Kansas played Kansas State fairly competitively for the first Mm -hmm. two and a half quarters of the game in Manhattan. And then Ioka Lee took over. Like, you you look through the play-by-play, and she was getting rebounds like crazy. You know, she had assists. She had scoring. Like, she pretty much took that game over and Kansas state went on a big run and then Kansas was able to clamp down in the fourth quarter and make a huge run to come back. And, and so really it was about forcing Kansas state to not go through Lee. Um, yeah. cause cause you're right. They don't have a lot of other consistent players that they can rely on when, when Lee is having trouble. So that's, I think mm-hmm. definitely what the key is is to make sure that she's not comfortable at all the entire night. Try and
0: get her in foul trouble, you know, just anything. There's so many different things you can do. And obviously it's easier said than done. She's a terrific player and having a couple tough games doesn't take away from that. But if you can attack her and get fouls on her, if you can play solid defense and make her miss her first couple shots, make it really hard for the guards to get it into her. They, they get flustered and you can take advantage of that. Absolutely.
1: And see the success for Kansas in that game was to make Ioka Lee uncomfortable, Unlike the success that you get when you go to homefieldapparel.com and find the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. Yes, homefield Apparel. They have T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, a whole bunch of other different items there for you. They have more than 100 different schools that are available right now. They're adding new ones all the time. Look, they, they're, they're in week four of Big New Saturday season three. Uh, they've already had three other basketball schools. NC State is this week. It'll be it'll be coming out on Saturday. Um, you know, and then they still have four more, four more chances for Kansas to be one of the teams that they throw in there. Look, I am praying just as hard as the rest of you. I have bugged Travis Goff. I have bugged home field guys. I've done everything I possibly can to get them to include Kansas in this big new Saturday season three. So, um, however. Even if they don't get Kansas, which I'm still holding on I hope that they will, you can go over to homefieldapparel.com, find some great, comfortable gear with some absolutely fantastic vintage college logos. Use promo code chalk 12 will get you 15% off of your entire first order and all orders over hundred dollars get free shipping. Um, I have like nine shirts myself and they don't have any KU stuff. So like, I promise you're going to find stuff that's absolutely fantastic. They've got Zot, you know, they've got uh, the, the university of Delaware, guy there that uh, I absolutely love my wife has like three or four as well and she always steals mine when hers are dirty so I promise you are going to enjoy whatever you get from there regardless of what the school is so again promo code chalk 12 over at homefieldapparel.com gets you 15% off your entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping all right, Jamie. Well, thank you so much for helping me to preview this. And also talking about big 12 women's basketball. I, I I'm glad that we were able to do it. I'm hoping to do it more. So, uh, where, where can everybody find you online? If, if, if they want to follow more about big 12 women's basketball or, you know, the, the betting that you're doing or any of that. Yes,
0: stuff? absolutely. Well, I am on Twitter, super active on Twitter. I'm at J Sty, excuse me at J Stice, J S T E Y Z super simple. Um, I talk a lot of Iowa State, but I talk a lot of Big 12 women's basketball. And yeah, I follow all the lines. I put out polls every day that... Big 12 basketball is being played on who you think is going to beat the spread. So those are extremely fun. I'm guessing it's going to be a really, really tight line for K-State and Kansas this weekend. So that'll be a fun one to watch out for. Um, and then if you have interest in Iowa State, other schools outside of Kansas, I do have the Cyclone Family Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Pod, And I'll have a new episode up there every week as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I'm a big proponent of of everybody here on on the 1012 network. Um look, you know, if, if you want to know how the Jayhawks is going to be affected by the conference, you need to know what's going on with the conference. So, mm-hmm. you definitely want to follow all of the great podcasts we have over there. But all right, Jamie, thanks again for joining me. Uh we we are going to go ahead and preview as well the the men's basketball game against Oklahoma coming up this weekend, and we will do that right when we come back. We will be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast. <laughs>
0: Yeah.
2: Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest Ten Twelve Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt Isver. I'm going to introduce my co-host Evan A Bear uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is
1: about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great. Sorry, Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between two bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Big between two. Bears- okay, uh,
2: Evan. Evan's going to go take a nap, um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan a Bear uh, Sick'em, Bears.
1: And we're back. I am joined now by Ryan Chapman. He is the deputy editor over at All Sooners. That is the uh, SI Fan Nation site that covers the Oklahoma Sooners. Ryan, how, how are you doing today?
2: Doing good. It's uh, been a long week. We had the quick turnaround. We're recording on Thursday. So the quick turnaround of the late game against Texas Tech last night. Yep. Going into softball season's getting going, which is crazy in Norman. So a lot of stuff on the plate, but you know it's it's good to have stuff going as opposed to when we get into like June and nothing's rolling.
1: Oh, I know that's the, the one time of the year that I'm like worried about. It's like, what am I going to talk about? Cause yeah, I, I don't, I, I'm going to have to do like another, you know, countdown to, to football season, but there's only so many different things you can talk about over the course of a hundred days, trying to come up with a football article every single day. So For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, I I really appreciate you jumping on, you know, obviously us here at blue wings rising being, you know, brand new to the fan nation network. Uh, but really enjoying our time here so far. Um, this, this Oklahoma basketball team, you said they, they, you know, they had a big win against Texas Tech. I think it was like f- 15 points, um, which, yeah. is, which is kind of crazy to think about because normally Texas Tech's defense is just so uh, beat you up so much. You don't really, you know, beat them by very many, but it, it was actually a fairly high scoring game, uh, which kind of surprised me a little bit looking at this Oklahoma team because Kansas ha- has already seen them once this year um you know in that 67-64 win down in or yeah down in Norman um you know what what is going on with this team the 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 Grove Twins and you know there's a bunch of other players there but uh, it is the first year under under new head coach Porter Mosier, um, and it's kind of been an up and down season what's the overall feeling of this team at this point
2: yeah so obviously results have been mixed january was tough for oklahoma they dropped before this texas tech win they dropped 7 of 8 and that includes losses at oklahoma state in a very ugly game um getting just torched on the road at auburn where oh you felt like they were in that game with about 12 minutes left but then they just couldn't deal with the press and it wasn't even like bringing the ball up the floor they couldn't inbound the basketball it's a team that had a ton of turnover right obviously bringing nine transfers in and it, it just feels like maybe those pieces haven't fit together exactly how Porter Moser would have liked Jordan Goldwire, the point guard coming over from Duke been kind of inconsistent. When, when you see his double digit scoring nights, it's not like it's very steady, like against Texas tech foul trouble in the first half and he explodes for 11 points or, or whatever. It ended up being in the second half. So it's uneven play. And they've really struggled as of late with two things, turning the ball over like crazy, and they, they can't hit the three ball. So that was the difference um, against Texas Tech is Emoja Gibson, which is unconscious, ties a career high with eight three-pointers made, 30 points, all that stuff. That papered over the fact that Oklahoma still turned the ball over a ton and, and things like that. So it, it this team kind of is what it is. It's going to be up and down. If two guys can come out and hit shots, they will be a threat to beat anybody in the country because they can play defense. That's what Porter Moser hung his hat on at Loyola. The offense, just there is no consistency. There's no expectation that they'll even be able to take this Tech win and roll any momentum going into Lawrence this weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, and kind of to your point, unfortunately, you know, being a very good defensive team does nothing to distinguish you in the Big 12 because all the Big 12 defenses are fantastic this year. Um, You know, I I am looking at the Ken Palm page for for Oklahoma, and, you know, you mentioned turnovers. You mentioned the three-pointers aren't really that great. They're like 180 in in three-pointers. And turnovers, they're in like the bottom twenty in the entire nation, unfortunately, yeah, which is really bad. Kansas has turnover issues at times too, but uh, you know, not not nearly that bad. But I'm also looking at offensive rebounding. It looks like they have a big problem as well, trying to get on the offensive glass, giving themselves second chance points, which is how most teams that have beaten Kansas or have you know really kind of given Kansas problems this year have done it: is by getting second chance points by bullying people on the inside. Um, who if who of Oklahoma's players are gonna be able to kind of step up in in that kind of vein or is that something that Oklahoma's just there's no way they're gonna be able to do it
2: yeah like if someone does it it's gonna be Ethan Shagwell coming off the bench but coming into the season Porter Moser like before a ball was even tipped Porter Moser said we are going to struggle to rebound the ball because it's an undersized team uh, Tanner Groves Obviously, he can do some damage. Kansas fans know that, but it's not a traditional big. He's got to run out of the high post. He's got to be a stretch guy because he's just not going to get down and be able to battle on the boards consistently. Shagwas is close to that. They've got two bigger bodies than Nicole McWayne and uh, Rick Casanza, but they're big bodies that they get lost in defensive coverages. They're a liability offensively outside of the glass. So it's just something that Porter Moser, he's a Rick Majerus disciple and he'll just yell rebound down over and over and over because the guards have to help out for Oklahoma to even stay above water rebounding wise. So it's just really not been a factor, which is another thing, too, that plays into a little bit is that Oklahoma for the three point shooting struggles, they're actually a really efficient team shooting twos. So when they do get the ball up, there aren't a ton of rebounds to be had. The problem is that they just turn the ball over. 18 times a game it feels like these days so uh it, the, the rebounding is just it, it's not going to be there unless it's just stars align, and, and it's a huge aberration from what they've been all year long
1: yeah you mentioned how you know well-versed Kansas fans are and and, and Tanner Gross is going off against them because obviously the Eastern Washington game uh from this last NCAA tournament but in the first matchup Gross was held to eight points um, you know, it really seemed like the, the two main guys that really did damage against the Jayhawks were Namaja Gibson, uh, and Jordan Goldwire. Jalen Hill did have 10 points, um, you know, on four of six shooting from, from twos, but Goldwire definitely got to the line quite a bit, you know, and, and scored a bunch there with his 15. Um, I, I think kind of to your point, there wasn't really any player other than Jalen Hill that did fairly well rebounding, but. Um, you know, in terms of like, what's going to be different from the last game where, you know, Oklahoma really did struggle um, quite a bit because they, they only shot, you know, 417 from three, kind of like you're saying there, um, you know, and while they only turned the ball over 11 times to Kansas's 13, there just wasn't really, it seemed to be a whole lot else that was going for them, uh, except for when Kansas just couldn't hit a shot. So like, what what is the the difference that you're seeing in, in the preparation for this game, or are you worried about it essentially being the same type of game, except now it's up in Lawrence instead of down in Norman?
2: Yeah, it's going to be the latter. I, I have no expectation that Oklahoma hangs around, really, frankly, outside of maybe the first 15 minutes, just because um, no one can consistently hit a three, and teams have kind of figured out you can do one of two things with Oklahoma. You can be really physical with Tanner Groves and try and take him out of the game early because the offense runs through his hands on the high post, even if he's not scoring, um, that's still how the ball moves or, uh, and that's what Texas tech tried unsuccessfully, or you could do what Oklahoma state did in the previous game for Oklahoma, which is rush Emoja Gibson every time he has the ball and then just sag everybody else out into the lane and say, I dare you, anyone else, to hit those threes. And like Elijah Harkless has had a better showing the last couple of games, as far as the ball going through shooting officially from deep, he's just never going to be a three point sharp. Shooter. And what boosted Oklahoma against tech was emotion. Gibson literally hit eight of them. Uh, they, they shot 47% from the line, but that was all emotion Gibson. And then like Jalen Hill hit one. Elijah Harkless hit two. Goldwire hit one. Like it's it's gonna. If Oklahoma's going to win this game, if they're going to pull this upset, which would be the first time since like the Civil War since they've won in fog Allen, it feels like. (laughs) I think it's I think it's thirty years or something, but
1: something ridiculous. It's
2: always loved up. Yeah, it it's just gonna be one guy blacking out and going superhuman because there there is no predictable path to victory for Oklahoma like that 20% ish number. That's basically what they shot all of January when they went three of seven, basically in conference play uh, throughout the month. So that's been what Oklahoma is. And I think that's kind of Moser's. You can tell he's frustrated, but he's staying positive because you go out and you, he says over and over that every game in this conference is an opportunity. So they go out, beat Texas tech and they jump like 12 spots in the net rating. Right. Um, 17 spots in the Kim Palm, I think immediately after the game. So that's true. The problem is that this is what Oklahoma is. They're inconsistent offensively. You don't know night in, night out who's going to be the guy. And so predicting something to be different, like, yeah, Tanner Groves might get going, but when he has, Emocha Gibson tails off. So, so that's what makes it so hard to figure out how Oklahoma is going to attack someone because there are no constants other than the turnovers that, that you can lean on offensively.
1: Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. It sounds like they have a similar problem to what Kansas does and that you don't really know who's going to step up. The problem is that it's, you know, in in Kansas case, it's much more likely you have multiple players that are able to step up in the same game, whereas Oklahoma, it's it's one guy at a time, which is a, a big problem when you're trying to be competitive, especially in a conference like the Big 12. Um, You know, uh, that's the other thing that kind of strikes me is that, you know, Porter Mosier coming, coming from, you know, where he did, if if you have these types of performances in in a league, like where he came from, that's, you know, you're, you're probably competing for the top of the league, but you come to a place like the big 12. um, Yeah. These, all of these teams are absolutely fantastic. I mean, Kansas state is surging a team that everybody expected to be, you know, down at the bottom of the conference. Um, Iowa State was you know surging early in the year and now is all the way down at the bottom so like there's there's just so much unknowns in the conference itself um so so talking about potential for an upset I, I think you've kind of talked somewhat about it but who who is the key guy that would have to you know go off or or what's the main thing that they would try to do to prevent Kansas from being able to to you know run away with it like what does that upset look like what's the key thing that has to happen
2: Yeah so it's gonna start with, Uh, Elijah Harkless is on ball defense. Um, He's going to get the Abaji uh, matchup. So he's going to have to have a a really nice day. He just held um, Bryson at tech to two of seven shooting. I believe it was basically five points, pretty much a a non-factor. Like that's the constant. Harkless is going to have turnovers. He's going to be inconsistent offensively, but the defense is always there. So it's going to have to start there. Everything else you're not really going to shut. You don't have another shutdown defender, but if everyone else can play that team defense and rebound, that has to be the first thing because defensively, if you look at it, when Oklahoma has been out rebounded, they have no shot, no shot at all. Uh, when you just look at the total rebounding, so Oklahoma's going to have to take care of business on the defensive glass, like Kansas, there, there's going to be a, a two or three minute stretch where they don't score. And it looks kind of ugly just because that's what OU's defense has been all year long. So uh, Oklahoma is then going to have to take those moments, go down on the other end and get out and transition and run. That That's the most sure thing for the Oklahoma offense. Cause otherwise, yeah, it, they're efficient in the half court. As long as they're not turning the ball over, they continue to turn the ball over. So as far as an upset goes, you're going to have to have someone heat up. It's gotta be Gibson or Groves, Tanner Groves, um, hitting threes and, and opening things up early because if, Oklahoma's cold to start you say you get through the first 10 minutes and they're still shooting one of whatever from three. I think you're going to see bill self say, cool, they're cold. Let the atmosphere take over, pack in the lane and make them shoot you out of it. And it's probably not going to happen. So I think that's the recipe for Oklahoma it's got to be a good start shooting the ball from deep early to kind of loosen things up. And they're going to have to contain a Baji and rebound on the defensive end of the floor from there. You can try to start to build matchups. Who's hot? Who's not? Because Moser's just going to ride the hot hand. But that's where it's got to start. And, and you're going to have to have Groves or Gibson really get it going and be mid 20s in, in the scoring probably to win this game.
1: Yeah, you talk about you know how it's not likely that someone's just going to get hot and and shoot them out of that slump. But look, Kansas fans, we are conditioned to know that it's going <laughs> to happen. That some random player, right, is just going to come off the bench. And go like seven of eight from threes, you know, where he absolutely has absolutely no business doing it. So on the Oklahoma roster, who is the best candidate for that kind of performance? And out of absolutely nowhere, you know, just lights out three-point shooting that that keeps Oklahoma in it and keeps Kansas fans wondering if, you know, Kansas is going to get upset.
2: Yeah, it'd be the other Groves brother, probably. Jacob Groves, who would come in Fair. off the bench. Uh, Jacob Groves, he's a really good cutter. So that would be the first thing is that, If he can hit a three or two early in in his first rotation off the bench, then you get too worried about him, get too worried about him, and then all of a sudden you look over your shoulder and he's cutting under the basket, easy dunk, all all that stuff. That would be the guy, um, obviously, it's the exact scenario that played out in in the NCAA tournament last year, right, of Tanner Groves gets it going early jacob groves kind of gets rolling uh eastern washington just didn't have enough people around them right. uh to, to go the distance now we, we did we do have the groves brothers on the podcast every week and basically tanner groves said that the funny thing about that game is three minutes into the game their coach came back and said yeah our sets aren't working self hasn't scouted out and, and they just freewheeled the rest of the game that's <laughs> not gonna happen with porter moser he no. will he will run the offense from the sideline for oklahoma so I don't think there has to be worry about that. The sets that Self has seen are, are what they're going to get, uh, but it, it would have to probably be Jacob Groves off the bench unless it's a Goldwire hits three threes or, or something like that because you're not even going to get Bijan Cortez, the, the true freshman point guard that kind of helped Oklahoma through that Iowa State game using a concussion protocol.
1: All right. Well, I'm not really sure what else there is to cover. Is Is there anything else that Kansas fans need to know about this particular Oklahoma team before the game on Saturday?
2: there's, there's not a ton. It's kind of what you see is what you get. And I think that the first matchup of Kansas fans, remember that, like that was the formula early on for what an Oklahoma upset would look like. And it was at home and the sooner still couldn't get it done. That was one of the few times they had lower turnovers, all that stuff. So uh, this is going to be a team. That's not the, the moment's not going to be too big for them as far as the atmosphere, whatever, it's just going to come down to, skill on the floor one of those things i don't think it'll be too much to worry about but um i don't think they'll wilt if it if it is a game late one of one of those things this is an oklahoma team put them away early because otherwise if you let them hang in there they just they keep coming
1: yeah for sure all right so final question obviously with with oklahoma getting that big win over texas tech earlier this week um you know it looks like the big 12 is back on track to get a lot of teams in the Big 12 tournament. If, if you had to make a guess now, how many teams do you think the Big 12 is going to have in the in the NCAA tournament?
2: God, you float between seven or eight. Like if if Oklahoma can finish strong, um, and by that, it's just when the games you're supposed to win. The problem is that that then hurts a Kansas State because they've got a game there at the end of the year. Hurts, hurts a West Virginia. So I'd probably go eight and say that one of, k-state or iowa state whoever tails off and then west virginia probably get left out a little bit and then you get eight in but uh soon as you have to take care of business they've got a three game stretch to end the year uh home against oklahoma state home against west virginia at k-state they're going to need to win all three of those games because otherwise it, it's tough sledding right it's the big 12 slate it is what it is everyone's dealing with it but uh if the Sooners can do that i think they'll be in good shape the conference to, to slide eight in
1: yeah, I think it really gonna it's it's really gonna come down to like the one way that they could potentially guarantee themselves eight is those two teams, you know, number eight and nine who are having some issues need to win a couple games in the Big Twelve tournament because that should be yeah. enough to get them pushed over. Even like it, it's hard to imagine a team that finishes you know like five and thirteen in the conference and right in the regular season making it. But if you finish you know seven and thirteen with two Big Twelve tournament wins, well, that's probably at least one of those is going to be against a good enough opponent as to count as that final marquee win. you need to get yourself over the hump. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm I'm planning on actually being there for the big 12 tournament this year, one way or another to kind of cover stuff. So I'm going to be really interested to see how all of the teams perform. Uh, but Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. Where can the people that want to find more information about the Oklahoma Sooners find your work online?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Allsooners.com. That's the spot to be all underscore Sooners on Twitter obviously we're a football heavy site um as is the territory with oklahoma Fair. softball kicking up but we've got plenty of basketball coverage on there at all of them, me and uh my cohort josh calloway who does a lot of great video stuff we're actually making the trip up this weekend so we'll be in lawrence hanging out seeing what's going down in fog island so head over to if if you need any preview stuff that stuff will all run porter speaks on friday so saturday morning will probably be uh, the preview, if you're just curious, from the OU side of things, what what they're feeling like coming into the
1: game. Awesome. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please to go out wherever you get your podcast, podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and and uh, get every single episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, it'd be absolutely great. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview... Anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at pod. We are part of the 1012 podcast network covering all the teams in the Big 12 conference. If you head on over to uh, 1012 network on Twitter, that's T E N 1 2 network. You can get links to all the great shows that we have covering all the different teams, including some of the ones that are actually coming to the conference here in the next couple of years here. So um, make sure you do visit our great sponsor, Homefield Apparel, 15%. Uh, off of your entire first order with promo code CHALK12. But that's going to do it for us today. Ryan, again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.
2: 1012 Network listeners, this is Dustin from the Scott and Holman Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast and the latest member of the 1012 Network uh, my co-host Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott and Holman Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.